Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. This episode, I think, is going to be really special for a lot of you because I don't think this is often talked about. So if you're new here, welcome. (laughs) I'm Jenna, and I feel really strongly that OCD is so much more than we make it out to be. OCD can latch on to anything. OCD is so much more about the process of how the brain is working and everything else that's going on, way more than the content of what it has attached to. So what I mean by that is that it's not necessarily about hand washing or about germs or about having hit someone with your car or not hitting someone with your car. That is obviously what we think about and what we tend to go towards first in terms of the subtypes and the superficial fears and the content and blah, blah, blah. But I feel really strongly in my approach, in my own personal experience, and just in my conceptualization of having worked with this condition for so dang long that OCD can latch on to anything. And so we got to think a little bit more abstractly than just the simple conventional subtypes that we're probably used to seeing and hearing and talking about. I believe really strongly in that. I think that we could literally change the world and change so many people's trajectories in recovery if we could all get on board with thinking more abstractly instead of just being so tunnel vision on these subtypes. So it's really important to uh, preface with that because, like I've said, OCD can latch on to anything. And one thing that we don't necessarily hear a lot about is how OCD can latch on to our love for our pets. So OCD tends to latch on to what it is that we are responsible for, what we are uncertain about, and obviously what we value. If we didn't value these things, and if it wasn't important to us, then we would have the thought and we would probably be able to let it go. We would probably be able to just have that thought come and go into our awareness and then let it go, drop it like it's hot, not a big freaking deal. But because these thoughts can be ego dystonic and so outside of our character and so anti what it is that we value, we tend to get a little bit shook. We tend to allow that thought to strike a nerve, so to speak. And so when it comes down to the things that we value most, those tend to be the thoughts that really stick. And for all my animal lovers out there, you probably and maybe have experienced OCD latching on to your pets. We just really have to understand that OCD can latch on to anything, especially your pets, especially if that's something that you really value and are responsible for. And I really want you guys to hopefully by the end of this episode have some strategies that are rooted in evidence-based treatments, specifically exposure and response prevention and acceptance and commitment therapy that you can take with you and start to maybe feel better. Not just feel better as like a an adjective, but as a verb, right? Like you're going to feel better. You're going to learn how to feel in a more efficient, effective way, you're going to be better at feeling, not necessarily just feeling better, like feeling gooder. 
My OCD has definitely latched onto my pets numerous times in a lot of different ways. So I have two dogs. I also have a hamster. I have two dogs that I've adopted. And honestly, I think the reason why I have my one dog, Asik, who is now like 12, is because when we were at the adoption agency, I saw him and he had a weird looking eye. Like one of his eyes was clearly like clouded over, glazed over. And we learned that he was ha- he was blind in that eye due to his previous owner not taking care of an, an infection. And I didn't really want that dog at first, like just a first time dog owner being in an apartment. I was in, co- I was in grad school at the time. I was like, I don't think that we can take on that medical problem, blah, blah, blah. But then I think I had this intrusive thought of what a douchebag, like you're such a douchebag. Like, what if you you are so rude for not taking care of this dog? And thank goodness I did in that moment listen to my intrusive thought because he's literally my soul dog. He's literally the best thing ever. But it's just so funny how these things can randomly show up in such interesting ways and in ways that are very unconventional as he's gotten older. Like I said, he's about 12 now and we're very close. He's my soul dog. He's my soulmate. I laugh with my vet and all my friends about how he's my soulmate. My husband's not, but my dog is and he's getting older and it's definitely been difficult. I will find myself analyzing how he walks and analyzing, does he have arthritis? Is he suffering and I'm not paying enough attention to it? I have definitely taken him to the vet more times than I probably should have. I have sought so much reassurance from my husband about him and trying to offload my sense of responsibility of what to do with the dog in certain situations to put it on my husband so that, okay, if anything bad happens, it's not my fault. I Then when we got two dogs, we got another dog named Emmett. And then it became this thing of I have to be 100% even. I have to be 100% even. If I give one dog a pat on the head, then I have to give the other dog a pat on the head. And did I give that one dog a better pat on the head? And okay, I got to go back. It just became really silly. And ridiculous. And then finally with my hamster, and there are so many other examples, but I'm just pulling some of the ones that feel very like salient right now. But even our hamster, we got a hamster for my son and he's been alive now for three years, which is crazy for a hamster. But I find myself being super analytical and obsessive and compulsive at times about making sure that he's not too cold. And in the past, we would put our Christmas tree in that room. But I'm like, what if he needs 100% darkness and he has that light from the Christmas tree and he doesn't get good sleep? And then what if he's sleep deprived perpetually and then he dies because of me? It's just ridiculous kind of to say it out loud. If any of this is resonating with you right now, then you need to check out the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. The OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint is my no-holds-barred, real-talk, three-part course for action takers who want to gain control over their OCD and anxiety and take their freaking life back. It is truly recovery like you've never seen before. I made this OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint because I was sick of the same old vanilla, recycled mental health content on social media, on the internet, and I wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to create a world where people could recover for good with or without a therapist. So the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprints, you could get it all together. It's over 100 videos, over 35 hours of content, but you could also get one of its three courses. So we have the foundation, which is level one. This is where you will lay the groundwork for your recovery journey and truly step into your therapist role and realize ultimately how simple all of this can be when you commit to the process. Then level two, we have the transformation. This is where you would learn how to prevent rituals, including mental compulsions, dismantling all those other compulsions that really, really trouble you. 
you will come to understand that behaviors and mental compulsions are yours to control and never the other way around. Then we have the end game. This is where you will bulletproof your recovery no matter what exposures or challenges cross your path. I want you to take your life back into your own hands so OCD has nothing against you. If you want to learn more about the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint, just go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the link in my show notes. I don't do vanilla. I don't do what's your subtype. I rip open the freaking curtains and take you into the inner workings of my mind and education so you can know this as well as I do. So again, to learn more about the blueprint, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the show notes and click the link below. That's OCD latching onto what it is that we love. So it can really latch onto our bonds because our bonds with our pets can be so deep and so emotional and it can make those stakes feel even higher. OCD latches onto our most cherished relationships and experiences, including pets, except it's not about the pet. It's about the meaning and the importance that we assign to the thoughts. It's really important to, to sit back and think, obviously, yeah, we want to be good pet owners. We want to be diligent and we want to be responsible pet owners, but we also can't live in this constant state of fear. And so it really does come down to assessing, am I acting out of a place of values or am I acting out of a place of fear? And I had to ask myself, am I taking Emmett for a walk because I want to, or am I taking Emmett for a walk because I feel guilty and so on and so forth. And you can definitely apply exposure and response prevention to these things. So For those of you who are a little bit new and you have not maybe heard about exposure and response prevention before or ERP, ERP is one of the most well-studied and well-established treatments and interventions for people who have OCD and anxiety. So it really is a two-part problem or rather a two-part solution to a two-part problem. So when it comes to ERP, you have the exposure piece, but you also have the response prevention piece. And so it's a delicate and collaborative way of you pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and resisting or reducing the rituals or the safety behaviors that you would typically do to make yourself feel better. And so, for instance, it was an exposure um, or an ERP exercise for me to take one of the dogs for a walk without taking the other one for a walk. It was an exposure exercise for me to leave the lights on overnight with Rocky, our hamster. And so just to give you guys some examples. So there are always things that you can do when it comes to your pet-related OCD fears. And you want to make sure that you are gradually facing your fears and reducing the compulsive behavior. You don't want to just white-knuckle it or go cold turkey because that's not going to actually probably get you where you want to be. You actually need to really commit to this being a lifestyle really standing up for yourself and saying that I don't want fear to be the way that I guide my life. I don't want fear to be what's guiding my decisions. I want love to be what's guiding my decisions and preference and just I, I want to be the one who's guiding my behaviors. And then we can also look towards strategies pulled from acceptance and commitment therapy, which is another evidence-based strategy that we can use for OCD and anxiety. So acceptance and commitment therapy really comes down to a couple of different things, but primarily here, values-based action. And so we want to talk about in what ways are our values being compromised by continuing to do these OCD rituals. Okay, I am literally, I, I feel like I'm not loving or enjoying my pets because I'm so caught in this fear cycle that I'm not actually able to enjoy them the way that I want to enjoy them because it never feels like it's enough. OCD has that way of just continually raising the bar, making it seem like it's never enough. 
You can also explore this concept of cognitive diffusion. So being able to diffuse from your thoughts. When we have OCD and anxiety, we tend to be so fused to our thoughts, thinking that just because we had a thought, that somehow must mean that it's true um, or important or that it's us, it's coming from us. So really important to learn to see the thoughts as just thoughts and that they're not necessarily manufactured from us, that they aren't necessarily significant and that they don't necessarily align with our character just because we had that thought. And overall, especially with this stuff, it's really important to just accept the presence of the thought without having to act on them. Because as we act on them, it might temporarily make you feel better, but it just gives credibility. It gives credibility to that initial obsession in the first place. So especially when you are are trying to resist your compulsions, it's going to feel like the well-being of your pet is on the line. It's going to feel irresponsible. It's going to feel like a bunch of what-ifs come up. And that's okay. Let's anticipate those coming up. Let's anticipate those challenges. That internal conflict of what if thoughts and the guilt that resisting compulsions can induce. But there's a silver lining here. Just because something feels wrong or feels irresponsible, it doesn't mean that it's wrong or irresponsible. It just means that it's different. And so, again, if you want to live a life where you don't constantly have to do everything, even with your two dogs, if you want to live a life where you don't constantly have to assess and obsess over the temperature and the lighting of the room where the hamster is, then we need to make some different decisions. We need to renegotiate our actions and make sure that we are resisting these compulsions because the compulsions give credibility to that obsession. And so really, as those compulsions decrease, you can have and expect more genuine interactions and your trust with your pets and with yourself can totally increase. I just want to reiterate too the effectiveness of exposure and response prevention and acceptance and commitment therapy, regardless of your specific theme. So Regardless of how your OCD is coming up with your pets or in general, these are the two strategies that I use in my life. These are the two strategies that I would want a loved one to be using. So ERP and ACT. And these are not necessarily things that you just have to do with a therapist. That's the only way to do them. You can 100% seek guidance from online sources as long as they're quality sources. And of course, I have digital courses that can help take you through all of this regardless of what your theme is about. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you were able to take some practical strategies and some tips away from here. Just remember that OCD latches on to what it is that we value. And if it didn't feel so wrong, it wouldn't be such a problem. So just keep that in mind. And more importantly, I know that those compulsions that you're doing in the moment, that it feels like it's making sense and that it feels like you can't not do that ritual. But I promise it is so much better and such a better bond to have with your pet to live out of love than to be guided by fear. So. I look forward to hearing from you next week. Let me know what you guys had as far as thoughts and reactions to this episode. I hope that it makes things a little bit better and a little bit easier for you as you continue to love the heck out of your pets. So send me some pictures of your pets. I would absolutely love that. It would make my freaking day. And until next time, you guys, I'm Jenna. I cannot wait to hear from you and keep doing all the hard things. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, 
You can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.